Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 895. Well, it might sound cliche, but man, follow your dreams. You know, monitor your health, stay true to your faith, be the best you can be. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm a revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Todd Lazier. Hey, Todd, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Uh, I am. You know, the oxygen mask just dropped in front of me. Uh, do, I, do I breathe into that or, or do I put mine on first and then I help yes, you? Yes, put yours on first and then help the person next to you. So, uh, okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Todd Lazier is a principal at Lazier Homes in Seattle, Washington. But you may recognize Todd's family name as it's related to automobiles. The Lazier Automobile Manufacturing Company was founded in 1900 by Henry Abraham Lazier, That was Todd's great-great-uncle. They built touring cars until 1915, and they were top-of-the-line automobiles and the most expensive cars for their time. Todd owns a 1914 Lazier Model 84, as well as numerous other collectible cars, and a 1953 Chris Craft runabout that his father bought brand new. That's very cool. He was an honorary judge for the Lazier reunion at the Atlanta Concord, which was early in October. So, Todd, I've told our listeners just a little tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little little bit more about your business and your passion for automobiles. Yes, I would uh, be honored. And if I may uh, humbly correct two uh, minor points. Yes. Uh, So um, when they were founded in 1900, uh, they were located in Plattsburgh, New York, and they actually moved to Detroit in 1911. Oh, okay. Well, thanks for letting us know that. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. And then my company uh, uh, is, is not um, actually Lozier Homes. It's Lockwood Lozier Custom Homes. So Lozier Homes was the original family business from the 1950s. And my father actually started Lockwood Lozier Custom Homes, which I now run, which coincidentally was named after one of the first Lozier cars. It was named after the Lozier Lakewood. Oh, cool. And that's where Lockwood Lozier came from. Very so, cool. Uh, nice legacy. But yeah, um, I'm a, a third generation home builder uh, and car enthusiast, of course, which we'll get more into that. But for my day job, um, we're building, we build custom homes, do a few speculative homes. Uh, we also do design and landscape installation and uh, keeps me busy. I would think so. I would think so up here in the great Pacific Northwest because you're just about an hour north of me here in Gig Harbor. So, yep. well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. This is a saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success, and it's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah. So, Todd, take the wheel. <laughs> All right. Well, great. So, these kind of things develop over a lifetime, right? Uh, and and uh, and these quotes or mantras can change uh, um, as time passes and as um, one develops themselves. So w- one key aspect that I've really been focusing on the last cu- couple of years has to do with being humble, hungry, and smart. And when I say smart, that re- equates to emotional quotient. And so this is a culture that I develop in my, within our company. Uh, this is a culture I try and develop with around my household and raising kids and my relationships with my wife. So it's all about really being humility, having a lot of humility, being humble in everything that we do. 
it's it's about being people smart and knowing how to adapt our conversations to different individuals and saying the right things at the right time. And then just being hungry. And that is you got to have a desire to and, and a love for what you do. Get up in the morning and you want to go to work or you want to play with your cars and you want to have hobbies. Uh, you got to be relevant in this life. And so all of these virtues, which I'll call them, are borrowed. Um, I'm not saying this is a unique idea. There's a book called The Ideal Team Player by Eric Lencioni. It's something that everyone in my family has read and then everyone in our company. And so this is this has been a centerpiece for the last three to four years uh, in my life and in my business. So I wanted to, I'll be happy to pass on that little tidbit. I think it's great. It ties into any kind of business that you're involved with and any kind of relationships you have, like you said, whether you're family or your associates at the office or friends or wherever it might be. I think it's a great thing. And I, I haven't read that book. I'll have to get my hands on that. I would love to read that book and I'll add it to your show notes page list here on the Cars yeah website so that our listeners can find it very easily as well. Great. Well, let's go back in time here. I'd love for you to share a story that in Instigated your passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew that you were going to be a car guy? Well, my, my mom has a great story how when I was six months old, I, I couldn't even walk yet. Of course, I was crawling. And all of a sudden one day I was missing and she was absolutely panicking and running around the house. Could not find me. Ended up running out to the carport and I was under the car on my back. Um, pulled <laughs> under the car and I was making engine noises and going vroom, vroom. And she just couldn't even believe that I even knew what a motor was or could make these engine noises. And I was just looking at the engine. Oh, my <laughs> so gosh. Of course, <laughs> I don't remember that. But it was right at that point when my mom knew that I must love cars. And she, of course, bought me a lot of toys that were car related. And yeah, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> I think so. Oh, I can't imagine being a parent, how distraught you would be when you can't find your child and then to go out in the driveway and find them under a car. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Oh, that's great. But I love that. You know, it, uh, you had some motor oil running through your veins even in those early, early days. Well, yep. let's take a look at some of the many roads you've driven down. You've been an entrepreneur, family, generational business. It is fraught with ups and downs. And especially being in the real estate industry, the housing market, oh my gosh, uh, <laughs> there's some things that you get dealt that are huge challenges, maybe even big failures. So kind of walk us through one of those times. Tell us what it was all about. But more importantly, what did it teach you and how did that experience help you gain even more momentum in your career, your business, and your life moving forward? Well, certainly the, the Great Recession uh, that we had, um, you know, there was a point in time when we in the Northwest felt immune to that, uh, what was going on nationally. You know, in, in 2005, uh, there was some difficult times across the country, but in the Seattle area, we were still boomtown. And uh, even come 2006, 2007, 2009, things were going great. But uh, at least in our industry in the Seattle area, in high-end housing, uh, that immunity caught up with us and it caught up with us really quickly. And so in in 2000, at least for our company in 2009, it felt like overnight the bottom just dropped out. Mm. And uh, they were some very, very difficult times. And that was right at the time when I had taken over the business. And so here I am, you know, third generation thinking, oh, my word, am I going to be the one to screw this up? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know, it, it was our land values had pretty much been cut in half. Um, we had financing on everything. And uh, for me, it, uh, it was a very difficult time. 
it was a time when I knew we had to take all of our resources and do whatever we could to make this happen. Because we had a good culture, I think we've, we found a lot of participation from our employees. We went down to four days a week for a period of pay, but everybody still came in on that fifth day. Um, you know, it was a real team effort. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm very proud to say we got through it without having to short sell anything or ask our banks to take any hits. And uh, because of that reason, when it was all over, the president of a local bank um, had us build their home. Wow. Because uh, he said that we were actually the only builder in, in their experience who actually did what they said they were going to do. Oh, um, my gosh. So. You know, kudos to you for that. And, you know, these are great lessons because for folks like you and I that are maybe a little bit older, We've lived through these things before. I saw it happen in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, and then, of course, the last big hit. Uh, what's a great takeaway lesson you might offer a business person now who's young, who's never lived through this before, that they could be prepared for something like this? Because they will come again. It's a cycle. It always comes back around, maybe not as terrible as it was in 06, 07, but it could be worse. You just don't know. Yeah. So what's a great lesson you could offer those folks out there so that they could be prepared for something like this? Well, I think, you know, for me, I think the, the greatest lesson I think I could, I could, would like to partake on any one individual is really watch your debt. Um, be careful of your lines of credit. Debt can really be a killer when things turn south. And also be, be cautious because when, when things in the market feel like they couldn't be better and that they feel like they keep going and that there's no end to this, those are the times to be most cautious. So, you know, I'm bullish with, you know, our market today and it feels like there's going to be another couple years, but it also feels like, wow, things have been running good for a long time and there's a lot of instability politically and boy, things could turn really quickly. So while I'm bullish on the next couple of years, boy, I'm super, super cautious and really watching uh, how far we're extending ourselves. Well, the key thing there I think you said was watch your debt. I don't care how small or how big you are, debt will get you. So be careful. Uh, I love David Ramsey's books about debt, even for young people, that they need to be very careful about borrowing too much and living off credit cards and thinking, oh, yeah. this is never going to end. I'll always have my job. My house will always go up in value. No, yeah. it won't. Things can change. Yeah. So great advice. Thanks for sharing that. I'm so glad and proud of you guys for getting through it the way you did. Very noble. Let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career. It could relate to cars too. An aha moment. One of those times when you see a new direction and you head down that path. Tell us about one of yours. Well, one of the, I, I guess, I don't know if I would call it an aha moment, but here's what I have. Right now, one of, one of my dreams is to produce a movie about vintage racing um, with the conclusion being the, the inaugural Indianapolis 500. So the Lozier car that I have right now, I actually acquired. Um, I've, all, I've wanted one all my life. Um, my father wanted one. Um, his uncle has one back in Omaha, Nebraska. There's actually two family Lozier cars. But we've never had one here in Seattle in my immediate family. And in 2009, one of them came up on eBay. You never see these cars come up on eBay, right? Yeah. I mean, they're usually <laughs> yeah. Other bees yeah, collectible, collector markets or private sales. I had a friend who also watches Lozier stuff, memorabilia and stuff, and he called me and told me about this the very day it came on. Fortunately, the guy's phone number was there. I gave him a call and I was so excited. Uh, he answered and I told him my story, who I was and whatnot. 
And I, I knew when he answered, he was very elderly. So after just, you know, not pausing and talking for five minutes, he said, <laughs> who's this? <laughs> what did you say? I thought, oh. <laughs> I was like, okay, I got to slow down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> told him my story and he essentially told me, I'm just, my grandson put this on eBay. I don't even know what eBay is, but I'm glad that you called. I'm just looking for a caretaker for this car mm. for another generation. He, he'd owned it for 45 years. Wow. I drove down to Los Angeles, bought it, uh, hauled it back. It came with a car trailer. It hadn't run for 15 years, but it was after acquiring that car that my passion for the cars had always been you know, through the roof. And now it was astronomical. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was just, you know, in seventh heaven owning this car and continued to do even more and more research on the car and the history and our family history. And it was at that point when I knew that I had a new, one, a new goal in my life. And that new goal was going to be to create a movie centered around this car. And I've been working on that ever since for the last seven years. And I'm super excited about some of the things that have developed around that and the screenplay pieces that I've put together. Um, and, you know, it's really helped me solidify that, you know, a family comes first, but on the business side too, um, outside of my family, I, I wanted to have interests and hobbies. And this is, the, you know, the car thing, especially centered around the movie, it all has come full circle to be a very exciting life piece for me. And it really keeps me energized. And when I talk about, you know, the hunger, I mean, I'm really hungry to make this happen and to keep this momentum going. So Yeah, it sounds exciting. Now, do you have an, an end in sight as to when this movie will be completed so people can enjoy it? Well, I, you know, I, I'm I'm going to be 50 in a in a few months, and uh, I've announced to my company and uh, and and my family that you know, in, within five years, if I don't have this thing solidified, I'm going to step back from work and uh, let my employees run the company and devote devote my time to this full time. You're dedicated. I have a, a, a long-term plan. My hope is it doesn't take that long. Um, you know, I'm going to be going to SEMA next week and I have some contacts uh, going to be watching um, Steve McQueen's new movie down there with um, some other folks who have started SEMA um, and meet some, hopefully meet some of the producers that created this new Steve McQueen movie. And anyhow, I'm, I'm continuing to meet people and I've met some great people and it's a pretty exciting story. So, happy to touch on that a little bit more, but I'm going to let you take the lead. Very cool. No, it sounds very, very exciting. A big endeavor for sure. And uh, as far as making movies, all you need is a whole lot of money and a lot of time, right? Yeah, I mean, easy. Yeah, right. That's, that's all you need. <laughs> I mean, you to yep. look at some of these blockbusters that are spending tens of hundreds of millions of dollars. Oh my gosh. So, uh, wow. Yeah. Well, you'll have to keep us informed here about what the uh, happenings are for all that. And obviously, we're recording this the week before SEMA. So for those listeners, SEMA's already happened. So I hope you did run into the right people that you wanted to see and uh, keep us abreast of that. And uh, certainly when this movie is done, we'll have you back on Cars Yeah, talk about it, talk in more depth about it. Now, how about a proudest career or life moment? Is there one that really stands out for you? Um, proudest career or life moment? You know, I'm tempted to tell my story about acquiring that lose your car again, uh, <laughs> but I'm not going to do that. Well, let's do this. Tell us a little bit more about the car as far as what, once you got it, what have you done with it? 
So it wasn't running and it hadn't run for a, a number of years. So I immediately took it to a local shop, Murray Motors, and uh, up in uh, Monroe, Washington. And uh, they, you know, changed the fluids and checked her out and hand cranked her and checked the plugs and made sure it was safe to start and uh, start her up. And boy, she ran like, ran like a Swiss watch mm. and has uh, run great ever since. Took a lot of elbow grease, you know, just to kind of get her cleaned up and polished. Right. The brass era car community is pretty small. Somehow the LeMay Museum found out about the fact that I own this car and they contacted me and asked me to, uh, invited me to the Concourse d'Elegance that they, that actually they don't hold that anymore. No, they didn't have it. Yeah, they've stopped doing that, unfortunately. Yeah, so I think that was 20. 20- 14 or 2013. Um, mm-hmm. And I won third place in the antique class, not because the car is so immaculately restored, but I, I really, because it's so original. And so many of the judges were so thrilled to be, to see a Lozier car. For those who know the car and its history, it's a pretty big deal. Granted, yeah. I realized people have never even heard of it. <laughs> well, yeah, very, very rare car. I was at the event that year. I've seen the car. It's magnificent, very beautiful. And I would assume that you've kind of already answered my next question, and that is your first really special car, unless there was a car before you found the Logier that was really meaningful for you. Well, there was. You know, actually, during the recession of, of, of 2009 that I described, um, as a little getaway, I went down to Monterey during the Pebble Beach week and was had no intentions to buy a car, uh, especially given the economy at that point. But, you know, what the heck? Sometimes you just got to take risks. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a good time to buy cars because people that needed cash were selling them for less. So, Well, exactly. So it was that too. I'm, I'm a sucker for a good deal. So my dream car, one of the first uh, Matchbox cars that my mom had bought for me was a 68 Shelby GT500 KR. Oh, nice. Blue. Yeah. And just so happens I'm I I'm down there and uh, it was at RM auctions and I walked into the uh, auction room or house immediately as this car was driving up on stage or they were pushing it on stage. Then of course once it gets on stage they start it and the motor and the engine just resonated through my bones. I mean it's just like oh my gosh that was my car. And of course bidding starts at ten thousand or something. It's like well what the heck I mean ten thousand bucks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And of course, once you put your bidder card up, you know, um, everybody surrounds you, the cameras come, all the pretty girls. And, and well, needless to say, I don't know, it was a lot of bids later and a lot more money than that. But I like to still think a good value. I ended up purchasing the car. Oh, cool. Awesome. <laughs> and still have it uh, to this day. And I probably, probably won't ever sell it. Great car, a lot of fun. And uh, that's really what started my miniature collection, if you will. Oh, well, you know, those darn Matchbox cars, they start a lot of things. My listeners, my regular listeners will know this because they've heard it probably ad nauseum. But the first Matchbox my father bought me was a Series 1 Jaguar XKE. And oh, yeah. those cars have always had a special place in my heart ever since. I still have that model sitting right here on my desk as I talk to people every day. Little red <laughs> Matchbox by Lesney. So, yeah, those little cars can start things for people. So uh, be careful what you buy your kids. You may start <laughs> yeah, something. Exactly. How about a car you've let go? Is there a seller's remorse story in your life, a car you really wish you had? Oh, who doesn't before? have one of those? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. So, uh, yeah, you know, I've owned a couple what I would call poor man's Ferraris. So I had a 77 308 GTB, you know, that had the Ford dual Weber cars uh-huh. and the 2B exhaust and just a very raw car. I mean, you felt the road on that thing and 
you know, the early ones were pretty darn light and they were the higher horsepower than the 80s ones. And so that was quite a fun little car to zip around in. And um, anyhow, that was just a really fun car. And and of course, they've tripled in price in the last uh, 10 years. Sure. And that's I sold it about 10 years ago. Um, But it's not just the financial piece. That was just a fun car. Sure. didn't cost a lot. And I just like, why did I sell that? You know? <laughs> well, there's always a reason we let these things go. I have many stories myself. So we'll move on from that. I'd love to hear a little bit about the Lazier reunion. You just returned in early October from the Atlanta Concours. Yep. And I understand they had a group of cars there. You were an honorary judge. That must have been very cool. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so they say this is the largest, potentially the largest gathering of Lozier cars ever outside of the manufacturing plant, because oftentimes the dealers even would only have, you know, two to three cars. And uh, so we had eight eight full cars there, and uh, including my car um, that I shipped down there. It was just a lot of fun. It, it was great to see all the cars together, to talk to the other owners, and to, to see the excitement, um, especially of, of for the folks that knew the cars. So many people had never seen one in real life, but they knew the story. And just a bunch of great people. It was a great weekend. A really, the event was just fabulous. How many Lozier's were there? There were eight cars there. Oh, eight, okay. Eight cars there. So, wow. Were there any surprises? When you saw those cars or talked to the owners, things you didn't know about the brand? Um, no, not really. You know, I, I was probably, people were asking me lots of questions, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure I learned anything new in particular other than just being able to see the different models yeah. in real life was was really, really fun. No doubt. Ah, oh, must have been fantastic. I'd love to attend that event. One of these years, I've had several people associated with that event uh, as guests here on Cars, yeah, so uh, a wonderful time. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, Todd. If you were a car, maybe I already know the answer to this. If you were a car, what kind of car would Todd Luzier be and why? <laughs> well, I think I'd definitely be a sleeper. I'm not flashy, and but I, I like to think that you know, when I need to be, I can, I can go fast. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm just thinking out loud here. Um, how about a, uh, a 69 Mercedes uh, 6.9? Oh, with the big power plant under the hood. Yeah. <laughs> big power plant, comfortable ride, hopefully speaks of a little bit of elegance, but not, not too flashy. Very nice. That'll yeah, work. I'm going to go with that. That'll work. <laughs> well, Todd, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right, 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft has been manufacturing premium quality exterior and interior covers for over 50 years with a stellar reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit over 80,000 patterns and growing. They are the only cover I'll put on my vehicles. You can choose from a wide variety of fabrics, styles, colors, and more. From full cover designs for factory to custom-made vehicles, plus convertible top covers, trucks, truck cab coolers, motorcycles, scooters, ATVs, trailers, campers, personal watercraft, and a wide variety of custom features. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark sent you. That's Covercraft.com. 
What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Okay, Todd, we are back, and we're entering the last lap, and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answer. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? So the best automotive advice, um, so maybe I'll approach that a little bit differently and say the worst advice, and I say this in jest a little bit because it's from my wife. Uh, (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. She's not a big car person, and she always feels like you've got to buy a brand new car with a warranty. Ah, yeah. And her and I, you know, have these debates, of course, in, in pure fun. Yes. But... To me, there's nothing worse than buying a new car with a warranty. I can't stand it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I understand. No, I never, and especially those extra warranties they try to sell you. Oh, my gosh. Those are the worst. Oh, yeah. She loves those. Yeah. yeah. No, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. So, but I get it. You know, there's security in that. Um, There's a a feeling of security. Uh, And for me, I'll tell you, I like to break down every once in a while. (laughs) Uh, on the road. I like to go four-wheeling and get stuck. And so her advice to me is, is probably really good advice. I just can't say I'm taking it. We'll move on before we both get in trouble here. <laughs> Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your successes over the years? Well, I think, you know, in terms of my leadership style, whether it's at home or whether it's at the office, it's really about servant leadership. And that is, you know, what, what can I do to help you, you know, my young daughter, what can I do to help you, my project manager to do your job better and for you to be a better leader? How can I support that? And what role can I take? And so that gets very much back to the humility um, and the virtues that I talked about previously. Very nice. How about a resource? There's lots of great resources these days. Is there one that you're really fond of? I really like uh, newspapers.com. And uh, because I really enjoy history, the fact that you can type in a car or learn about you know, the history of the Lozier family or anything you want to do and to search all the periodicals and newspapers going back to the early 1800s. And the search engines are so powerful. I'm just amazed if I want to type in, you know, Ralph Mulford, who was a race car driver back then, to be able to 
come up with 300 different articles that were written between 1906 and 1908 and learn about how they raced and what they did and what kind of motors they had and what anyhow that's probably a little bit of a unique answer to that but yeah uh, i've never heard of that site before and it's the first time anyone's recommended that site so that's a great resource for our listeners to go to and access i like that very much now if i could arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive field or industry who would that be Boy, a drink with anybody. And I'll add um, this caveat, living or deceased. Could be somebody from the past. Wow. Well, you know what? There's, uh, (laughs) well, if they were deceased, there's no doubt I have quite a list. So number one on my list would be the gentleman I just mentioned, uh, Ralph Mulford. He is the centerpiece of my movie. He died in the 1970s, about the age of, I believe he was 88. He was the winningest driver of 1911 across uh, the United States. He won more races than anyone for the years 1910 and 1911. He was recorded as getting second place in the first Indy 500. One of the basis for my movie is the fact that he really did win that race. They called him Smiley or the Gumdrop Kid. He had the best attitude. He was always smiling. He was also a very strong Christian and refused to race on Sundays. He was very committed to his wife and oftentimes would take his wife on the racetracks uh, at a time when you know women were not allowed out on the racetrack at mm-hmm. all and at a lot of racetrack owners. And uh, just the way the way he lived his life was really fascinating. I have a lot of respect for the guy. You know, anytime he didn't win, he mostly did win. But anytime he didn't win, he was the first to congratulate the winner. And so my movie, uh, the plans for my movie, it's going to be called The Gumdrop Kid. Ah, awesome. <laughs> centered around him and the relationships. Not so much about the car or the Indy 500, because I don't want this movie to be an, just an enthusiast movie. I really kind of want it like to be the Titanic. You know, you go there, you know, yeah, this is a historical thing, but it's the relationships and the interactions that really draws people in, that really get people uh, in tune with the movie. And then, and, and then there's a good takeaway, too, where you walk away from the movie feeling good. Great. Um, oh, can't wait. That sounds wonderful. Now, you mentioned at the beginning of our talk a book that you recommended for all of your associates and your, your uh, coworkers to read. I'd like for you to mention that again, and is there another book you might want to recommend as well? Well, that was The uh, Ideal Team Player by Patrick Lencioni, and he's actually done a number of uh, books on business. Oh, gosh, he's probably got dozens of them, Uh, and I think I've read about every single one of them. If I go outside that, Built to Last and Good to Great by Jim Collins. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> love Jim Collins. Yeah, pretty well-known books. Uh, um, again, centered around a lot around business, but also a lot around culture. And I think these books can apply to anybody, no matter what you're doing, because they really, it gets back to relationships more than anything else. Absolutely. Great recommendations. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources Todd has shared on his show notes page. On the Cars yeah website, just go to CarsYeah.com, type in Todd Lozier, L-O-Z-I-E-R, is the spelling of that last name, and you'll find all these great links. I've got a great place on the website, too, called Guest Recommended Books, where these two books and all the book recommendations by the past 894 guests before Todd are listed, I made it really easy for clicks to buy. So check it out. It's an awesome resource, wonderful book recommendations there. All right, Todd, we're up to the checkered flag, and this last question could be a bit of a doozy to mention another mark. I'm going to buy you any cool collector car in the world today. doesn't matter what it costs. 
But I want you to enjoy it. I want you to drive it. No garage queens here at Cars, yeah. And you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. So that little trick's off the table. What would that car be and why? Oh, it would definitely be a Ford GT. So, my, you know, outside of Lozier cars, my grandfather was always a Ford guy. My dad was a Ford guy. It's one reason I bought my Shelby, and that was a dream car of mine. And, of course, whether it's a G, an, uh, you know, an original GT40, you know, a 2005 Ford GT, or really the brand new Ford GT, the 2017, would definitely be on the top of my list. Just always loved them. And I love that they're American-made. I love that they're have incredible performance, some of the best in the world. And, uh, and, and I like the fact that this new Ford GT is actually a six-cylinder. A lot of people don't like that, but that is a pretty amazing six-cylinder with over 600 horsepower. Well, let's narrow this down here because you, got, you only can pick one. So we've got the, the classic GT40 race car, the first-generation Ford GT, and, of course, the current-generation Ford GT. So which one is it going to be? I'm going to go current generation. Okay. All right. What color would you like? Blue. Blue. Okay. Oh, yeah. The the, uh, famous Ford Blue. Well, nice choice, my friend. Those are awesome, awesome cars. Uh, Saw some of those. We'll see some of those at SEMA. So, uh, yeah, they're just outstanding. Well, Todd, you've taken me on an awesome ride today. I've really enjoyed learning more about you and the Lozier car and the family relationships. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with me and the Cars Out listeners. Could you offer us one parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that blue Ford GT? (laughs) Well, it might sound cliche, but man, follow your dreams. Uh, I've told you a little bit about my dream, and uh, I'm I'm going after it. And, uh, you know, monitor your health, stay true to your faith, you know, be, be the best you can be. But yeah, follow those dreams. Absolutely. When you get that movie close to fruition or done, you come back and see me here on Cars Yeah. We'll share it with everybody. I can't wait for that dream to come true. Sounds awesome. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your company? Uh, well, they could go to LockwoodLozier.com. Now, Lockwood is L-O-C-H-W-O-O-D-L-O-Z-I-E-R.com. And uh, there's a little video on there, in fact, uh, that shows my car, um, a little, uh, just a few quick snippets. But yeah, that would be awesome. Very nice. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything that we've talked about here on Todd's show notes page on the Car Show website. Todd, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the Car Show listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate you making it easy for me. (laughs) You're welcome. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up! 
a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!